Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. What's up, everybody? It's Dexter Henry. We are back with the NBA Exchange, doing a little stuff through the preseason before we get started. And I decided kind of last minute uh, to do this show. I'm very honored for the guests that we're going to have today to talk about some basketball. A longtime colleague of mine with the New York Post. Uh, he's covered the Knicks for 23 years, and that is Mark Berman. Mark, how you doing, man? Uh, doing great, Dexter. Uh, 23 seasons, and uh, that will be it, as you know. Uh, already miss going on with you uh, on that SNY New York Post exchange, uh, but I'm on to a new chapter. Yeah, you're on to a new chapter, Mark, and it kind of <laughs> caught me, even though we've worked together a bunch over the years, it caught me a little bit by surprise. Um, and you're you're evolving into a new chapter um, is, is what we can say here. But I, before, as we get started, we're going to get into the Knicks. But I wanted to talk to you a little bit about working for the Post and covering the Knicks for 23 years as long as you've done. What is the emotion like for you as you're moving to a new chapter now? You know, you've covered the Knicks for 23 years. What's the emotions that you're feeling moving on to this next chapter of your life? Yeah, well, on uh, the first uh, media day uh, back on uh, the prior Monday was when I, uh, you know, announced it on Twitter. And I, I did feel uh, a touch of regret not being at Media Day. You know, all those players were talking uh, for the first time in months and not being able to uh, write those stories was a little bittersweet. But I'm definitely used to it. I've moved to Florida, although I'm in uh upstate New York right now, uh, ready to attend a wedding. But yeah, it's an adjustment, uh, not writing about the Knicks every day after writing about them for 23 straight seasons. Uh, but, you know, I feel that uh, it was time. And, you know, I still watched the uh, first uh, preseason game. It was on a TNT. So I watched it from Florida. Uh, but, you know, I'm sure I'll miss it a little. And I just had an amazing time in the 23 seasons because the Knicks fans are so amazing. And, you know, they read the, about the team, whether they're winning or losing. And most of the time they were losing. Uh, but again, uh, you know, it's time uh, for, uh, for, for fresh blood at the New York Post. Yeah, definitely time. Definitely time. You know, you have to know when it's time to move on and when it's time uh, to keep it going. But you had a long uh, career there. And what I will say to you, Mark, that I actually didn't tell you this off camera is a lot of the players, as soon as they came in for media day, they're all like, where's Berman? How did Berman not show up for his last day of work? <laughs> Mitchell Robinson, Julius Randle, they all said that. So it was, it was pretty funny. And you could see the players, you know, they, they spend time talking to you guys, the beat writers, um, so much. You can tell the players, uh, had a lot of good wishes for you. I got to ask you, though, 23 years, that's over two decades. That's a long time. What was the best moment for you as a Knicks beat writer? Because there's a lot of down moments 
in the 23 yeah. years covering the team. What was the best moment for you as an XB writer? Well, I mean, I think the whole insanity uh, era, short-lived uh, as it was, uh, just was an amazing experience. I mean, I felt like I was in a Disney movie. I was doing like five to ten radio TV spots a day uh, talking about Jeremy. And it was just amazing because I remember him joining the team as the 12th man and you know, no one paid him any mind, but I remember going up to him and just chit-chatting with him because I think we were in Boston one night and I asked him if he had visited his uh, Harvard campus, and he had. And and then just to see him turn into a global celebrity overnight, it was just such an amazing uh, uh, couple of months uh, for me as a journalist. And, you know, I've said this before about, like, my biggest memory or one of my biggest memories is game one against Atlanta a couple of years ago in the playoffs when 16,000 uh, Knicks fans packed the garden uh, toward the end of the pandemic. First time uh, the fans were all together again, chanting, let's go Knicks 45 minutes before tip off. It was deafening every second of the way up until the final buzzer when Trey Young, uh, hit the game-winning uh, uh, shot. But that, that was an amazing night. Uh, it felt like the pandemic was over that night, although it it kind of lingered a little longer than we uh, had hoped. <laughs> yeah, pandemic definitely lingered a, l- a little bit longer. I think I was in the building. I was actually in the building from game five of that series, and it was pretty when they lost, and it was yeah. over. And it was still pretty crazy, the energy at the Garden. I hadn't felt it like that um, in quite some time. What was the most shocking moment for you? And they told about what was the best moment. Was there a shocking moment in terms of maybe it was something scandalous, trade? What was the most shocking moment for you as a beat writer with the Knicks? Uh, I mean, other than Latrell Sprewell suing me back in my third year on the beat, uh, Latrell and I had gotten along so well. Uh, I enjoyed covering him. He was so candid and so nice to us. But, uh, you know, that was a, 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 the toughest time uh, of my uh, career. Uh, where he did so uh, the lawsuit was obviously thrown out of court, but he wouldn't talk to me that whole season. And in fact, if I was, if he saw me around in a pack, he wouldn't talk. So I had to go in the back of the pack and, uh, you know, give my tape recorder to one of my uh, generous colleagues because he wouldn't talk if I was around. So that was uh, the most shocking uh, part of my 23 seasons with the Knicks. We get along well now when I've seen him in Milwaukee. We sort of buried the hatchet, so to speak. But uh, yeah, so listen, uh, the other shocking thing was the Steph Marbury scandal with Mike D'Antoni. I had grown very close to Marbury, and he would call me on the phone to chit-chat off the record about how D'Antoni had it in for him and I was. I also got along with D'Antoni, so I was like in the middle of it, and it was very uncomfortable. But uh, I mean, listen, there's been so many crazy moments with the Isaiah Thomas sexual harassment trial. I only went to the final day, uh, the closing arguments, and honestly, the closing arguments. I thought the Knicks had a chance to win that case, but. Uh, no, the jury voted against the Knicks. And then Isaiah Thomas misses the first couple of days of training camp in Charleston and shows up and that. declares his innocence. And it was just such a such a soap opera covering this team 
all these years. <laughs> yeah, uh, the ups and downs. Mark Berman just took you through the highs, the lows, everything uh, in between with the Knicks. You mentioned this before we get off your career for a little bit. You mentioned you will also miss interacting with the fans. And, you know, that changed a lot for you in your career, specifically with Twitter, right? Social media sort of changed the way beat writers get to interact with the fans. What will you miss about that? Because, you know, fans can get spicy, Mark, on Twitter. What will you miss about your interaction with the fans? You listen, the fans are very tough on me. I pull no punches. If R.J. Barrett, if I have sources or scouts criticizing him, I'm printing it. I'm writing a story about it. You know, obviously, R.J. is a fan favorite. So any negative story about R.J., I get uh, ripped on social media. But the one thing, I will never block anybody. I have never blocked anyone across my uh, uh, career. I feel it's part of the job to take the good and the bad. And yes, the social media has been rough on me. And even when I announced my retirement, you know, there were a lot of well-wishers, but there was also plenty of fans who were tweeting out good riddance and memes of fan of celebrations that I was gone. But I, I'll be honest, I enjoyed all of it. it. It was different 25 years ago before social media. You didn't have that type of interrea- interaction. And now you do. And some nights it's tough. But you know what? This is what, you know, media is all about. This is what journalism is now. And if you can't take the heat, you know, get out of the kitchen. But that's not why I'm retiring. Uh, there's several other personal issues uh, involved. Yeah, that's why. Let, let it be known. The fans did not scare Mark Berman away. That's not <laughs> what happened at all whatsoever. And you're right. You know what? It, it became more visible. And Mark, you and I, we started working when I started at the Post in 2007. You know, we were doing a lot of videos then, and that was new at the time. And then obviously yeah. towards the end, we we're doing a lot of the digital partnership that I do now with the Post and SNY. And so you become more visible. The beat writers have become more visible than ever before, which I think is good, good for the fans, and they get to hear from you more. So that's good. Um, all right, let's get into the Knicks a little bit. This team right now, you and I have talked about this a lot over the last eight to nine months, the organization, where the team is at, are the Knicks in good shape? Is this an organization that actually has changed from what we've seen over the last 20-plus years? Is the culture better? Are they in good shape right now, Mark? Well, you know, you're getting me after a wonderful victory over the Pistons <laughs> in a preseason game, uh, and it looked very nice. But listen, the Donovan Mitchell uh, botched trade talks still gnaws at me. I know the fans don't want to hear about it anymore. But And I think the Knicks could be good this season, but not making that trade that seemed like a slam dunk as one source said to me, uh, the Knicks blew a breakaway layup. Uh, I, I just feel that the, the, the hierarchy with Leon Rose and William Wesley and, Ro- and Gerson Rosas handling the trade talks, there's too many cooks in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. And I just feel that things uh, are a little uh, are on shaky ground because of the way the structure is. I wonder if they're going to be able to have the consensus to pull off the blockbuster trade they need to make. And Donovan was that player that could have really lifted them, I thought, into a a 51-type season. And they never made their best offer, and they let Cleveland 
steal Donovan from them. So when I look at the big picture, I still wonder, what is the ceiling? What is the plan? Leon Rose still has not spoken to the media. He's just spoke to MSG Network, really did not discuss what the time frame is. Uh, listen, I think they're going to be competitive this year and exciting, but I just don't see where the the championship uh, plan is. I just don't know what the timetable is. The curse, uh, the championship drought is 50 years, and I see it continuing uh, for a little bit. A little bit. I'm glad you didn't say another 50 years. Nick fans would not <laughs> want to hear that. They definitely don't want to hear that. i got to ask because – We've talked a lot about this, too. You mentioned it just now with Donovan Mitchell. Not getting Donovan Mitchell, did that sour the whole offseason for you in your eyes? Or do you look at the fact that they got Jalen Brunson, they added Isaiah Hardenstein? Were those good moves? I know it's mostly the same roster from last year outside of those two. But what did you think of their offseason overall? Or was it a, a low grade for you because they didn't get Donovan Mitchell? I mean, it was a good offseason, but it could have been a great offseason. But a lot of the offseason is making up for the mistakes of the summer of 2021, which was an unmitigated disaster. I mean, look at Kemba Walker right now. Uh, he's still on the Detroit roster. They didn't invite him to camp. And they're going to cut him once he finds a new home. But no one wants Kemba Walker. So Leon Rose really blew it there, thinking he'd be the point guard uh, for the next couple of years. But Listen, Jalen Brunson looked very, very good, uh, you know, on in the preseason opener. And Tom Thibodeau talked about how he's so versatile as a point guard. He could, uh, he could push the pace. He could be a playmaker. He could be a scoring point guard. He does a lot of things. He doesn't get rattled. No one could speed him up. I mean, Tom was really raving about Jalen uh, last night. So, listen, I always knew Jalen would be fine. And I, I was not worried about Jalen this season. I'm worried about R.J. Barrett and Julius Randle. Those are the two guys I'm still worried about, even though Julius looked in control last night, no turnovers, got hot in the third quarter, very efficient night for him. Doesn't have to be the man as he thought he had to be last season. So very good sign from Julius. And again, this could be a, a very good team. Uh, but it could have been a special team if they got Donovan. All right. Difference between special and good. Okay. They didn't get Donovan Mitchell. And this is something you and I have also tried to sort of touch on early uh, a couple months ago in videos that we did with the New York Post. The big question, I think, is you don't get Donovan Mitchell before we get to the Knicks this season. Who, is, who or where is that next star for the Knicks, right? Is it on this roster? Is it R.J. Barrett? Is it somebody else in the league? Where are the Knicks getting this star that everybody talks about coming to New York? Right, and they desperately need another one. And listen, we put out in the Knicks definitely monitoring the situation in Oklahoma City with Shea uh, Gilgis Alexander. Another name we should look at, a couple of names. Uh, okay. Alonzo's brother, uh, Ball in Charlotte. Mm -hmm. Mello Ball. I know he wanted to be drafted by the Knicks and, you know, he wound up in Charlotte. He would not fall to where the Knicks were. I know his father would love to see him on Broadway. And I, and I hear that, you know, that LaMelo has uh, his eye on New York, maybe one day uh, down the road. So that could be something. Uh, and then Devin Booker. I mean, Phoenix 
uh, looks to be a franchise uh, in a little bit of shambles uh, with the ownership situation. And Devin Booker is the former uh, client of Leon Rose. He loves Leon Rose. I think he'd get a real kick out of playing in New York, obviously the Kentucky connection. So that's another player to keep an eye out. Who knows about Joel Embiid, another former Leon Rose client. Uh, so, yeah, the, listen, CAA wants to help Leon Rose. They want to get one of their star players uh, in New York. So there's still hope. But I'm just concerned that you got to trade for the guy. And does right. Leon and Wesley and Brock Aller, I mean, do they have a consensus where they – have have a plan to to make this deal happen because Brock Aller is very much into let's not give up draft capital. Well, what are you waiting for? You you had a chance to get Donovan Mitchell, giving up all those picks that you've acquired for that moment, and they wouldn't pull the trigger. They, they wouldn't do it, and that is a disappointing thing. Some Nick fans have made peace with that; others uh, have not. So it is very interesting to see. Obviously, now- I have not. <laughs> Mark, even in retirement, Mark has not made peace with that. He's like, look, you should have got the guy. You, did, you didn't yes. get it. I, you know what's funny? And I haven't, I haven't really made comments publicly on it. I did not. I was kind of indifferent on it. I guess I'm glad they didn't gut the team. But I can also see the other side of the argument where it's the fact that if you had gotten a star, then maybe you could think about getting the next star, building towards that. And so that was the the thing that kind of bothered me. I don't know how the team would have looked or what Danny Ainge would have wanted uh, in terms of how much he wanted. And you and I talked a lot about that too. So it's, it's really interesting. I just want to go back to last night's the first preseason game against Detroit. Um, When I looked at that game, there were a lot of things I thought were positive and I'm not going to get too hyped, Mark, you know, this it's just preseason, just a preseason. It's game. number one. It's against Detroit. Right. Right. It's Detroit too. Let's not get crazy. If I if I had one takeaway, and I want to know if you agree with me on this, looking at that, I thought that Br- Brunson made a huge difference, right? They have you have a competent point guard there that can run the offense. Everybody looks like they're in the in the right place, and the team looked for the most part cohesive defensively. Something like what we saw two seasons ago. What what did you think about that about those two things, Brunson, and then how the team looked cohesive defensively? Yeah, well. You know, Brunson's not even known as a, as a great defender, but he's better than Kemba Walker. I mean, Kemba is just, he's more undersized than Jalen, but he just does not have the lateral quickness to stay with anyone. And I know that from speaking to people close to Tom Thibodeau, one of his goals was to get Brunson uh, to lift his defensive game. Mm. And yeah, they look very solid defensively. Uh, you know, even Julius... Uh, had moments. Mitchell Robinson uh, was, you know, a, a force uh, on both ends of the glass. And defense has definitely struggled uh, last season, especially in the first half of the season when Kemba was on the club. Uh, they improved when Kemba was not on the team. But that's a good sign. And again, it is Detroit and it's preseason, but that's what Tom Thibodeau is all about, is a defense first uh, or uh, franchise, and they lost their identity last season. And I think Brunson uh, and and Barrett look better defensively. I think Thibodeau is challenging RJ to be that lockdown defender 
that he has talked about being. He wants to guard the best team, uh, the best player on the other team. You know, when they lost Reggie Bullock, you know, they didn't have that wing defender. So maybe RJ can be that guy uh, this season. But yeah, and obviously Miles McBride, <laughs> five steals. Yeah, he looked great. Uh, yeah. yeah, and I think he's going to find a way into the rotation, at least on a part-time basis. My my feeling now is they are going to rest Derrick Rose on the second night of back-to-backs, and that could open uh, the door for Miles McBride to get significant time on those games and then get spot duty uh, some other nights. Or just hold down Derrick's minutes in general because mm. Derrick only played five minutes. I mean, they're really like – they realize that Derrick only has – so much life in those legs, despite the weight loss. So I think Miles and his defense uh, will find a way uh, into the rotation this season. That's interesting, too, that you bring up McBride, Mark, because do you think McBride has a better chance of getting it? You said he think he can get his way into the rotation. What about Cam Reddish? That's a guy Knicks fans are always asking me about. And do you think you're shaking your head? I already see it there. Is there any way Cam Reddish gets into the rotation? Because you know the talk is always, Will Obi get some more minutes this year, and then will Cam Reddish get into rotation? You're shaking your head no, and you already mentioned Miles McBride, so I'm like, what? where does this leave Cam Reddish? I mean, listen, he already sprained his ankle uh, in, in the opener, uh, so he's already behind uh, the eight ball. We'll see if he plays the next game. But even healthy, Cam was sort of the 11th guy in a 10-man, 9-man rotation which is why, as we reported, he prefers a change of scenery uh, with a team that could give him a bigger role. He has not demanded a trade. We did not write he demanded a trade. He's not denying any report. He's just stating I have not uh, asked for a trade. But eventually he might, because I don't know if uh, he's going to see a lot of time. And I know his handlers are very frustrated uh, with with that situation. Uh, the Knicks traded for Reddish knowing that Tom Thibodeau was not a big fan of Cam. And Cam is pretty well aware of that. Uh, well, you, well, Mark, they gave up a first-round pick for him here, and, and knowing that Tibbs was not a fan of him, I mean, make it make sense. <laughs> it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't well, make any it sense to me. It was a conditional pick. It was a conditional right. first-round pick. Right. But, and also Kevin Knox, who... Tom who, had who given was a up bust. Who was a bust yeah, in New York, right? They had given up on him. But uh yeah, conditional first round pick. Listen, the scouts and Leon Rose had just hoped that Tom would give him a bigger chance. And he probably would have gotten that bigger chance late last season, but then he injured his shoulder. And he's been injury prone his whole career. I mean, his rookie year, he had uh multiple injuries that cost him a lot of time. So durability is also an issue with Cam. And I think the Knicks are eventually going to trade him at the deadline. Uh, and he deserves it. He deserves to play for a team that has a coach that believes in him. I mean, he yeah. came here, yeah. we wrote right away, or maybe a couple of weeks later, that Tom didn't want the deal. So already that affects Cam's confidence when you know the head coach uh, doesn't think that you're, you're ready for the rotation. And, and and that's what the issue was at the time. Tom was actually saying on the record, you know, we have our rotation. I don't know where Cam fits. So this training camp will be very interesting with Cam and already with the sprained ankle. Who knows what's going to happen? All right. A couple more things. A couple more things for you, go, because I appreciate the time. 
I know Nick fans are going to want me to ask this. And this, they looked at the game last night, first preseason game. Again, we have to mention that's just one preseason game. Um, they look at the game last night. They see Julius Randle, 16 points, I believe, four assists, no turnovers, the ball not in his hand as much. Do you think Julius Randle can have a bounce back season somewhat closer to what we saw two seasons ago? Do you think that's possible? Yeah, it's all about his mind because he's, he, he's in great shape, the shape he was in two years ago. He came to training camp last year not in the same type of shape. And I think that probably affected his play early on on the defensive end. Uh, he did not play defense at all in the early part of last season. And then he just lost his mind. He just His, his head space was not where it needed to be. He was too sensitive. He was on so I don't know if he was on social media or his wife Kendra was telling him about what was happening on social media. And the fans are so fickle with Julius, they were already, you know, criticizing him when the team started losing. Mm-hmm. And I'm just hoping he ignores uh the social media this year. Already people are on social media saying, Oh, Julius is playing well, maybe we could trade him soon. I mean, it, it's just <laughs> the guy can't win. Uh, I think he's going to have a bounce-back season. He knows he doesn't have to be the point forward. Jalen is already helping him, and I think it's going to go well. And to be honest, Obi, I know the fans love Obi and his dunks, but he couldn't shoot the three uh, last night. And if he's not shooting the three, he's not going to be getting a lot more minutes uh, than he has last season. So uh, that will have Julius on the floor more. If Julius is playing very well and Obi's not hitting the three, you know, always going to be getting his 14 minutes. Yeah, and and that's not what fans. I mean, like you said, fan favorite. That's not what fans want to hear. Were you impressed with anything you saw from quickly last night? IQ. I was impressed a little bit about his ability to finish at the rim. You hadn't really seen that from him. You know, a lot more times he was going to the floater. Seems like he's got that in his bag now. Were you impressed with what you saw from quickly? Yeah, he's stronger. He looks like a different player. He's he's bigger and stronger. Yeah, he got to the rim and, and finished through contact at least on, on one occasion. Uh, he's always been good at drawing fouls, but last season referees stopped giving him the 50-50 call. Mm. Uh, but now he's in his third season. I think he'll get more respect from the officials. Uh, his three-point shot, he's streaky. I mean, he's got to be a little more consistent with a three-point shot. We know he's a, a very good three-point shooter, but I wish he wasn't so streaky. The floater is a big part of his game, uh, and he plays hard defensively. He worked really hard this offseason. He's a great bench player. He's a very good bench player, but but don't expect him. I know, listen, before they got Brunson and he had a big finish with the triple doubles, you know, there was yeah, – I even wrote it. Well, maybe the Knicks make quickly the starting point guard next season. Well, thankfully that hasn't had to happen, and he's great coming off the bench. And that's his perfect role. Yeah, I think he's a very good bench player, microwave scorer, a la little bit of a Lou Williams, not comparing exactly no. that proliferation, but in that sort of mold uh, there, Mark. Mark, last thing, I think this is the question everybody's going to want to know. How good can this team be this year? Come on, Mark. Come on, Mark. Say 50 <laughs> wins. You know that's what the fans want to hear. You can say 50 wins. How good can they I, be this I, year? <laughs> I, I said 50 wins before, but that's with Donovan on the roster. I mean, in the GM poll that came out a few days ago, Cleveland yeah. got high marks for their great offseason, and Donovan scored the highest on what player will impact uh, a team the most. Jalen finished maybe fourth in that poll on uh, affecting a team. 
But listen, 37 to 45, that's not happening this year. Thank God. Uh, they're going to be in the 8 to 10 range. If they really overachieve and Julius Randle is playing out of his mind, maybe they compete for a six and get straight into the playoffs. But I think we're talking play-in tournament. I think we're talking like maybe an 8-9 seed. And that's good. I mean, it's not as good as it could have been. But to have the Knicks in the lottery last year was so depressing. They're going to be back in the postseason. Maybe they have a shot of advancing in the play-in tournament. And the Garden is going to be alive and rocking. And that's going to be tough for me, I'll be honest. I'll be in Florida, uh, far away from that action. But uh, I think we're going to see postseason basketball in New York and possibly straight into the playoffs. You know, people forget if you're in the play-in tournament and lose out, you're back in the lottery. So some fans would like that because, you know, they think the draft is the end-all and be-all. And sometimes it is, but sometimes it's a risk. So uh, I do see a play-in. Eighth place would be my prediction right now. Eighth place prediction for the Knicks, and you'll see if they can make the playoffs. I'll tell you what, Mark, if the Knicks win or they win it all, you know there's going to be people out there that are going to say, well, it's all because of Berman. Berman left, (laughs) no longer covering the Knicks. Now they've won. They've ended the 50-whatever-year drought. You know it's going to happen, man. But um, look, I'll say this. I'll say this for a lot of people who appreciate your writing. I did. Um, I was reading you from when I was in college and then obviously had the the pleasure of working with you. Uh, We're going to miss you at the post. Um, But you're always welcome to come back and talk hoops with me or the Knicks, especially when they do something crazy, which you know they might do. <laughs> so you're always welcome to talk, to come back and talk to me, man. I'll miss you. But uh, for those of us that uh, either were fans of the Knicks, worked in the media, I know I speak for a lot of people. We appreciate what you did um, and have done, and you left your mark on New York Knicks basketball. So thank you, man. Appreciate it. Thanks so much, Dexter. I really appreciate those kind words. And we've been doing videos well before it was popular. Back uh, before 2010, we were doing those post-game uh, interviews on the garden court. Yep. Uh, again, we were, we were a little ahead of its time on that one, but uh, you've been great. You do a great job with SNY and the post uh, that, that uh, new uh, format. And I'm going to miss those uh, interviews the most. And I appreciate the invite and uh, I may even take a, you up on it uh, sometime later this season. Oh, no, definitely. I, I got, we got to have you back. You know, I'm always going to be checking on you, see how you're doing, and uh, definitely glad. Everybody for watching, listening, that is Mark Berman, the great performer now, <clears throat> New York Post beat writer for the New York Knicks. Uh, always a pleasure, Mark. I will see you soon. We will talk soon uh, for sure. And enjoy the sunshine. Hopefully for Knicks fans, there's some more sunshiny days ahead for them. Yeah. It hasn't been that way for a while, but hopefully it is. Thank you, Mark. Appreciate you, man. Ciao. Thanks so much. All right. That is it for this edition of the NBA Exchange. We will have more stuff uh, coming up soon in the next couple of weeks as we get started towards the season. More great guests like Mark Berman will be joining us. That is it for now. Thank you to my producer, Gregory Alcala. Thanks again to Mark Berman. Until next time, everybody. Peace.